1: Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. On today's show, we're going to be interviewing our attorneys back east in New York about some major litigation affecting fundamental religious freedom and and the rights of individuals. Uh, You're definitely going to want to hear about this and some of the the major recent changes that have taken place in one particular case in particular. Uh, So you're not going to want to miss it. But the first half of the show, I want to talk to, Uh, one of our attorneys who heads up our office in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, He's uh, actively engaged in lots of cases for the Pacific Justice Institute. So I'd like to welcome to the show now, Attorney Dave Peters. Welcome, Dave. Hi, Brad. Hi there. Uh, First, um, I understand that uh, you're not feeling so well. You have a a second round of, of COVID. Is that right? It was
2: not fun enough the first time. I had to do it again. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, here I am. Uh, I tried to bow out of this appearance today, and and you guys said no, 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 you can do it. So <laughs>
1: okay, I, <laughs> here I am. But that was our our I'm scheduler who said that. I didn't give that directive. So, <laughs> but uh, if you're yeah, if, if you were seriously not up to it, I would I would always respect that. So
2: I I I know that Brad. I'm teasing a little bit, uh, but you know this this thing is just so ubiquitous, and you know I, I jokingly. Call it the bioweapon, but I'm not so sure anymore. Uh, I, I mean, I've never had an illness that attacks this quickly and this fast. I mean, it just you're sitting there talking, and oh, what happened? Yeah, I, I've never seen anything uh, work that quickly. So uh, wow,
1: yeah, I heard, it's spreading like, g- I heard it spreading like going on. I heard it spreading like lightning across America. This latest version of COVID. Uh, is uh, the fastest spreading ever which is what they project as it continues to you know modify and mutate a variants, each variant is supposed to spread faster but it's also supposed to be weaker and have right. it becomes fewer more infectious fatalities
2: over time but less lethal
1: yeah less because, lethal so it, you know you got to think about it from the terms of, of,
2: of the virus you know the virus wants to spread so the best way to spread is to keep your victim alive for as long as possible <laughs> so you can spread it. Uh, if it kills you right away, it doesn't spread very
1: that's...
2: very good. So it naturally is going to evolve into a less lethal form and a much more uh, 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 infectious form. And that's what we got now, everyone is gonna get this. Uh, my, my son came home coughing and, and within a day, everyone in the house had it.
1: Like okay, what are the yeah. symptoms of this latest variants of COVID? Uh, it's not like the last one with the, this
2: deep, croupy lung cough. Uh, mine is a upper, upper, not not in the lungs, um, which is good. You don't want an infection in the lungs. Uh, like, so I think it's less virulent because it's more likely to affect the upper airways than the lower airways, and and uh, it's also more infectious <laughs> because it's more likely to infect the upper airways than the lower airways.
1: Yeah, when you so, say uh, upper so airways, the you mean virus. Upper airways. I mean the upper part of the lungs, or yeah, the, you mean the sinuses? Okay, sinus, sinus area. Okay, and then also uh, headaches. I'm hearing people yes. are having, you know, s- terrible headaches that in the past, you know, they don't normally don't have headaches like that when they're sick.
2: And eye sensitivity, as well.
1: Eye sensitivity. Uh,
2: sensitivity to light, and yeah, it's it's yeah. not good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so I, I heard it's yeah it's spreading fast. <laughs> it's it's not your normal flu per se in, in terms of 24 hour there and gone, but at the same time, it's not as severe in terms of the the symptoms. Uh, in particular, with regard to the original COVID, like you said, which got into the lungs and you know people mm. you had pneumonia and died. Uh, this is more in the head, but it's causing a lot of headaches and migraines and and uh, issues with the eye as well and and vision and headaches that start with the eyes and move back and so that's uh you
2: can tell just second brad one of the things you can tell when it's covid is number one that it it hits so quickly and number two you really have this weird temperature dysregulation going on a lot of people do these hot like hot flashes like (laughs) your menopause or something you, you just feel just really hot all of a sudden not like Chills like you get with the flu, you, you, you get, you get hot, and you start sweating, and, and when that happens, yeah, you better get yourself a COVID test.
1: Okay, okay, that's that's uh, good to know. Definitely good to know. Now, uh, you're doing some things about this. I just you're not taking remdesivir, um, <laughs> otherwise known as "Rud Death is Near." Uh, you're, not taking, yeah. you're not taking that drug. What what are you doing that people can maybe glean from as they try to? protect themselves and and increase their immunity?
2: Well, I'm following the Joe Rogan tactic of throwing everything but the kitchen sink at this thing. Um, I, of course, know uh, the COVID doctors through my work with PGI. So let's see. I got a list. I I am taking hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, Paxlovid, uh, mega doses of vitamin D, vitamin C, echinacea, garlic, elderberry, and curcumin. Okay. So that, that's my list of drugs. Those are all antiviral.
1: And you got all that, those herbs, really? And you, did you get that from a credible source, or is that your own concoction?
2: Uh, well, Both? several credible sources. Several These are credible. all antiviral. Okay, good, 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 good. So now I should I should say the only thing approved by the CDC is Paxlovid, and and boy, <laughs> I, I have my I just posted to the group. Uh, the, the the listserv I'm on with these doctors say, you know, what is the deal with Paxlovid? I cannot find... A, there's some type of um, stimulator in it that, that causes any drug that deals with receptors. So, you know, any heart medication or, you know, any drug that deals with uh, opiates, it enhances them, like, big time, like, dangerously. So if you take Paxlovid and take opiates, uh, you know, you're going to get, you could overdose really easily because oh. it enhances, I have never heard of a drug that enhances another drug like this. This is just
1: bizarre. Well, that's a, that's important for people to note because some doctors may prescribe it and not really get into questions like, okay, do you take things for your heart? Do you take things for, for this right. or for that? So uh, bottom line, it seems like it, it enhances things, other drugs that deal with receptors and then you check with oh. your doc. I encourage people to check with their doctor now. This drug is very controversial uh, just recently because Dr. Fauci and the CDC director, they had COVID, they took this uh, Paxlovid, and then they got COVID again the following week. (laughs) Really? Right. It's some type of... And again, I've
2: never heard of this happening either. You know, I've heard of a rebound infection. You know, you take antibiotics, you don't... uh, you don't finish the antibiotics, and then you know, the, the bug is still there, and you, you get sick a week later. I think these people are getting reinfected with COVID. I think Paxlovid is doing something, maybe suppressing the immune system. I don't know what's going on. You should not get a viral infection a week after you recover from it.
1: You're right. You're right. <laughs> and, and, and I know that's part of the strategy uh, that we've seen with some of these drugs and the COVIDs and things that, have, that actually suppress killer T cells, suppress things. Um, I'm not a doctor. I won't pretend to be one. But that said, I think there are definitely uh, concerns and people need to be very cautious as they deal with these new strains that are coming out. Now, how about giving us an update uh, where you are in your, with your caseload? I know you've just recently, Dave, had had a, a big victory, big, uh, big victory yeah. for the uh, Pacific Justice Institute on one of your cases. Uh, share the good news.
2: Well, uh, like we talked last time uh, Trinity Health. Was uh, or is, I believe they're the seventh largest healthcare organization in the country. They had imposed a nationwide mandate uh, for vaccines uh, before they would provide organs transplants. And of course, there's no evidence that um, COVID is especially dangerous to people with that with uh, transplants. There's no science supporting the vaccine in people with transplant. Well, there's no science supporting the vaccines in healthy people. Uh, But there's really no science supporting the vaccines in transplant patients. Uh, There's a study which dealt with um, retinal transplants. And they had several people who had uh, these retinal transplants, and they could see. You know, retinal is the eye. So, So they could see, and they got the shot. protect themselves from covid and they went blind because 20 years after they got the transplant they rejected it and that's basically the only research we have on transplants and covid but yet all these hospitals have imposed a covid mandate and here's the interesting part about this covid mandate or or rather the, the way they're following it the hospitals that are religious like trinity health like ascension health which i Sued before, these are the hospitals that are, and I don't want to say they're caving. They are following the science. They're saying, "Hey, maybe, uh, maybe we shouldn't impose this uh, as a mandate." Uh, and, and they're the ones who, who, are, who are reversing themselves and reversing their mandate and treating patients like they should be. The hospitals that are funded by Pfizer and by the CDC. The major research hospitals, like the University of Michigan, I'll name names, University of Michigan, Dartmouth College, um, colleges like that, Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, these are the institutions that are refusing to reverse their vaccine mandate. Now, call me a conspiracy theorist. But that proves to me beyond any doubt that they're imposing this mandate because of pressure from the CDC and Pfizer, not because of any science.
1: Okay, so you know you've been filing briefs. I know, like in uh, the case dealing with Mercy Hospital, you filed a three hundred page mo- or they filed a three hundred page motion to dismiss. They did, yeah. You filed a major complaint, a uh, thirty page document, a uh, complaint. Um, then uh, you filed a fifty page amended complaint. Uh, I just want people to understand, that's just one case we're talking about. This, this is very intensive. It's a ton of work. We have over 120 cases across the country. Some cases have multiple <clears throat> clients. Some of them have like a, our class action lawsuits. So it's a lot of work you're doing right now uh, on these cases defending religious freedom. You have that major, that real victory. Yeah. So it's, it's very important um, what you're doing, and I want people to, to pray for you in that, uh, that litigation as well. Uh, because uh, we're going to bat for a lot of people who are being threatened to be purged from their jobs because of their faith, and we're not going to stand for it. Dave uh, Peters, attorney and uh, medical expert, uh, thank you so much for being on the program, and keep up the great work.
0: Thank you, Brad. Did you know that PJI preserves students' rights to share their faith and protects them from indoctrination? We also provide free resources to help promote evangelism within the public schools and educational resources to give parents legal advice for choosing an alternative to public education. Keep current on the educational landscape by signing up for our Legal Insider email newsletter at pji.org. Now back to the Dakis Report.
1: Welcome back. Uh, right now, I'd like to welcome to the program Pacific Justice Institute Attorney April Forbes. Welcome to the show, April. Hi, Brett. How are you? Doing great. Uh, I'm so glad to have you on the program. Uh, you're always involved in so much uh, you know, in the way of cases and helping people. Uh, let's, uh, and there's so much going on there in New York. Uh, I sort of, it's sort of the sequel to California, the East Coast sequel. Uh, there's just growing number of cases and issues And I just, I'm I'm so delighted to have you just spearheading the actions that we're taking there on the East Coast, and particularly New York, because there's so much going on. I understand that recently uh, we filed a lawsuit against the United States Department of Energy and uh, Brookhaven. Now now Brookhaven, is that a, a town?
3: Uh, no, actually the Department of Energy operates own and operates a laboratory named Brook, Brookhaven that's okay. located in Los New York.
1: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So uh, just a little clarity there. So uh, what's, what's going on with this, this lawsuit? I think it's uh, URENA versus uh, U.S. Department of uh, Energy at al. Uh, what's, what's the suit about and uh, what's the goal?
3: In a nutshell, Brad, This suit is a situation in which um, our client was told, essentially, we don't believe you. She submitted a request uh, to be exempted from a uh, uh, vaccination policy uh, pertaining to uh, receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, And Brookhaven National uh, Laboratory, which is, as I said, it's owned by the Department of Energy, but um, it's operated by an entity named... uh, Brookhaven Science Associates, notified our client that if she did not receive the vaccine uh, by the end of 2021, she'd be terminated. She submitted a request for religious exemption. She offered to submit a letter from her pastor uh, verifying the legitimacy of her request, I should say, shall I say, the sincerity of her request for an exemption. Uh, it was denied under the basis that we simply don't believe you. Uh, you have not established uh, entitlement, uh, that being the language to uh, be eligible for a vaccination they, they, uh, I, now,
1: exemption. Now they didn't believe her. They said, uh, <laughs> "But you know, my understanding, that's not the test uh, whether or not they're believed, right? It's just it's whether or not the individual has uh, shown enough evidence to." Uh, assert and validate their sincerity i mean the they, employers can't just get off the hook by saying yeah we don't believe you right
3: that's exactly what they did
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so what's yeah, the big now, go ahead they
3: actually granted um most of the requests for religious exemption that were submitted but once again our client they
1: just didn't believe her you know why they didn't believe her any idea on that No, I believe her. Yeah. Yeah, uh, she's a a person of faith and goes to church. I mean, it's not like she just, you know, just sort of grabbed it out of thin air and said, yeah, I have a religious exemption. That's what I was told to say. You know, that's not her. I mean, she's got real religious beliefs and convictions. So what's the big big picture here in this case? Well,
3: this is, again, um, uh, the all of the notices that our client received regarding the mandate to be vaccinated came from uh, a governmental email address and also there was a level of oversight here by the federal government Uh, and the bigger picture being when an individual whether they work for the government or a private employer um, they are they have sincerely held religious beliefs um, and they make there's a conflict between their beliefs and an employer-related policy, um, the employer should not take the position that just because they don't agree with the person's religious beliefs that that in and of itself warrants denying the request.
1: Right. It seems to me that a smart employer is one that will just simply generally not even cross that, that line unless they've got clear evidence that the person is not sincere in their faith, they should generally presume that they are. I, I, it seems to me like that's pretty much the, the, the safe standard for employers uh, who are engaged in second-guessing uh, people who uh, upfront uh, assert their faith, explain their faith, ex- their convictions. You know, there's not a presumption of, of lying <laughs> in our, our system. Um, the employer has to, has to prove that. They really have to be able to, to validate their uh, determination, that kind of a determination, and, and apparently it clearly wasn't done here. Um, so this case, uh, it's a pretty strong case. Where are we at with this, this case, I mean, uh, in the process?
3: Presently, we're waiting for a response to our complaint. Yeah. It's, um, I've already uh, made my request known to uh, one of the attorneys that's uh, appeared thus far, that our goal here is reinstatement of our client. She was four years, I believe about four years shy of full re- eligibility for full retirement.
1: Wow. And now it's, it's, that's gone. All those years she's put in, um, it's not vested, I assume. I, you know, so we've seen this before, where people are you know, told, okay, uh, you're going to lose all your retirement because you're not fully vested until you work another month or a year or something like that, or a few years. And so there's a lot that she's losing. It's not just like, oh, she has to get another job. She's losing a lot that she has built up for long-term retirement, long-term care in that regard. So I think that on its face shows sincerity of religious beliefs. I mean, who would want to sacrifice all of that for something that they didn't even really believe in, that they really didn't have a religious objection to? Uh, doesn't make sense. So I think she's got a very uh, compelling case. I encourage people uh, to be uh, praying for you and for her as uh, we move forward. And I also want to just encourage people, remind people that if they want to keep up with our cases and our litigation, it's really easy to do. Just go to our website, pji.org. You can keep up with these cases and you can pray for these people as we go to bat for them, you know, on the ground, across the country We've got this major ground game, working hard to try to make sure that no one is left on the side of the road, that everyone gets the help that they need. And it's, it's, we're so blessed to have people like Attorney April Forbes there in New York uh, to be a part of our team to help us accomplish that very important goal moving forward. Now, I understand that New, York's, uh, New York State's mandatory COVID-19 vaccini- vaccination requirement uh, for all healthcare workers um, is uh, has been uh, definitely challenged and very problematic. What's going on there?
3: Yes. So as you know, Brad, the particular mandate in question uh, does not include any religious exemptions. It only allows for medical exemptions. And so um, we have several lawsuits now that we recently commenced several, and likely at least one or two more um, against New York City. Health and Hospital Corporation. Now, that entity um, actually, was a, it's a creation uh, by legislation that essentially uh, the, the New York City Health and Hospital Corporation oversees all of the hospitals, uh, all, shall I say, medical facilities located in the city of New York. Um, our clients, um, in the cases that we've commenced thus far, the fact pattern is pretty much the same. Um, they are healthcare workers. Uh, I shouldn't say healthcare workers. Let me say they work for New York City Health and Hospital Corporation or one of its affiliated entities that it oversees. Um, they could work entirely remotely. Um, they submitted requests to be exempted from the COVID 19 vaccine due to their religious beliefs, uh, and they were notified. That there was no reasonable accommodation available that would allow them to maintain their employment um, without being vaccinated.
1: Oh, that's ridiculous! And when some of these, you said at least one of them was uh, in isolation. They worked away from everyone, so there was not even a, a, a logical argument there for forcing them to be vaccinated in the first place. They're working in a, you know on their own. I mean, they're they're not working with other people and. You know, a separate place. So that makes absolutely no sense. And the fact that they didn't even apparently make any effort at all, did they, to try to accommodate? They just said, oh, we can't accommodate. They didn't sit down and talk to them. Aren't they required? I mean, doesn't case law say that employers should at least sit down and try to work it out, try to find a way to accommodate, right?
3: You are absolutely correct. The failure to engage in the interactive process. This and these two cases that we are pending now, Brad, against New York City Health and Hospital Corporation, that the entity actually has its own policy that deals to specifically with how to address requests for religious accommodations. They, pursuant to their own company policy, were supposed to engage in an interactive process specifically designed to accommodate the employees, you do not receive
1: uh, the vaccine. Yeah, a vaccine that does not prevent transmission, a vaccine where there's now evidence showing that people uh, not only sh- don't need it but shouldn't have it if they already have a natural immunity. Uh, I think that what you're doing is uh, very important. Any, any last comments about this or any of your other cases?
3: No, but I do want to say thank you for this opportunity to serve Pacific Justice Institute. It has been a blessing to my life, uh, and prayerfully, uh, through the collective reasoning or wisdom through Pacific Justice Institute, I'll be empowered the more to be a better servant for the kingdom of God.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and you definitely have a a servant's heart, which is our number one criteria to be a part of our team at PJI, and you've definitely got a big servant's heart. So uh, thank you so much, April, for all the work you're doing. And I really appreciate that. God bless you, and keep up the great work. Bye-bye. Thank you. And I, folks, I want to encourage you to uh, be praying for, for these people. You know, it's so easy just to be complacent. You know, just to say, well, I'll go to church. I'll keep my faith to myself. You know, everything will be constant. Everything will be fine. Well, f- first off, it won't be fine uh, because uh, the absence of truth is the existence of evil and lies and deception? That's what we see spreading all across America. A lot of that is because of the absence of truth, and that's where we come in at Pacific Justice Institute to defend you and to defend your church, your family, uh, your you at work, at school, uh, to be able to live your faith, share your faith unapologetically, uh, and let the light shine to to change our nation and change the world.
0: We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at pji.org. BJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you. So folks, just
1: remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms.